2: Hello and welcome to the Nature Careers podcast. I'm Julie Gould. This month the Nature Careers podcast is celebrating women in science and we're doing that by showcasing the first winners of two annual awards set up by Nature Research in partnership with the Estee Lauder companies. One award focuses on innovation in science while the second one on inspiration. And for this episode, I caught up with the inaugural winner of the Inspiring Science Award.
1: Then when we come to the African reality, it has a factor of multiplication because there is huge lack of reference, uh, like there is a huge lack of women in science and technology. So therefore, for young girls, it's much more difficult to really be inspired, to be empowered for doing a science.
2: But I also share a story of one very successful woman in physics, has had to face some barriers along the way.
0: Gathering a network of these colleagues that will be supportive and that you can trust is one of the most important things that you need to achieve to be able to make through your way to these barriers. Because like any stereotype, you can only break it by you doing what you really think is right, but you yourself do not break fully a stereotype. You need a network to break that stereotype.
2: Professor Alexandra Olaya-Castro works on the interface between computational physics and biology in her own lab at University College London. She's been running this lab for 10 years now. Happy birthday, by the way. And although she's made her career a great success, it's not been without its barriers. Subtle and probably often not so subtle sexism has plagued her throughout her career, given that she's working in what has traditionally been known as a very male-dominated field. But what she's taken away from it is the lessons that she can now share with her team to make sure that they don't experience these barriers in the same way as she did. It's a well-known fact that physics is a very male-dominated field. And, you know, although there are female physicists, uh, I've heard from a lot that it's actually quite difficult to sort of to face some of the barriers um, that might be unspoken but that do exist so I just wonder how how did you make your career work and what examples of those barriers have you had um, that you can share with us?
0: As a woman it can be a very lonely career in terms of not having many other females surrounding you or in the group that you work or not even in the group that you form because sometimes recruiting even females is, is quite hard and Along the way, one of the things that has helped me to overcome the barriers that comes, come with being the only woman in the room, let's say, has been this strong focus of what I want to achieve. And this has been very important because sometimes the con- context can play a very strong uh, detrimental effect if you don't have that clarity. So let me give you examples. So, for instance, when I was a PhD student in the group that I was, it was mostly men and myself for for several years, for a couple of years. And even though they were all friendly, they were really nice people, whenever it came to social gatherings, I, I was not part of their social gatherings. Now, I'm not so sure whether the reason it was because I was a woman or because I was a foreigner, it's, it's difficult to really pinpoint the reason, but the fact is I wasn't part necessarily of this social but I repeat they were friendly I was friendly with them et cetera it's no it's not there was nothing uh, contentious or or conflict or any kind it just simply happened in that in in that case and so on as you go along in the in the as you go up in the career ladder. Uh, the field becomes even lonelier, I have to say. And sometimes you do find yourself being the one woman in a hundred. I have had very supportive colleagues uh, that they see you for who you are, a scientist, and regardless of anything else. Uh, but, of course, I have faced my fair uh, share of sexism within this context as well. I can give you plenty of examples. A lot of it is unspoken, shall we say. Absolutely. Yeah, a lot of this is a lot of this is it's given because the dynamics is so much like that that it seems natural that it happens and this has many implications not only for the opportunities that can be denied to you, not because they consciously say we're gonna deny this opportunity just simply because the opportunity is not open to you. Um, it has detrimental uh, aspects on, on your on your career. But also in science itself, the science that can be done when you have diverse groups is very different from the science that can be done when it's done by the same line of thinking people. This is without removing any merit on the science that has been done so far. But I think it can become greater if those things are diverse. And I really think so.
2: How have you faced these barriers, you know, apart from you've already said, you know, being focused on your on your goal and, I guess, powering through in a way. How, yeah. What else have you done to make a success of, of
0: your career? Yeah, so I would say two things. Some things that are depending mostly on me and some things that do not depend entirely on me. So the things that depend on me is this focus and is also the believing in the science that I do and uh, the looking for those opportunities of presenting my work myself this brings me to the other thing that does not depend entirely on me, and is: you will bump into people who will not be supportive, but you will bump into people that will be very supportive. And to gather a network of these colleagues that will be supportive and that you can trust is one of the most important things that you need to achieve to be able to make through your way to these barriers. Because like any stereotype, you can only break it, by you doing what you really think is right, but you yourself do not break fully a stereotype. You need a network to break that stereotype. And join efforts with these people who are ready to support that is, is the most important. And I've been lucky enough to count with the support of some of these people.
2: And I imagine that you know, as a, a group leader now and, and you're know, running your own um, research, you come across other younger physicists, yeah. female physicists, potentially uh, female physicists who are also from minority groups, like yourself, you're from Latin America, yeah. um, who also can feel isolated. Yeah. So how do you help them work through some of those issues that they might be facing, given that you've potentially faced them yourself as well?
0: Yeah. At the moment, I have had women in my group. So that, that is a, and I have actively look for excellent candidates that can join the group, and I've been lucky enough to find those candidates. And what they have found through that is that the fact that they join a female group was already an ease for them, yeah. Uh, my my PhD. I have a PhD student who she often says is it's so nice to be able to to have a, a discussion with with you. You know, not not only about the science, but also about my insecurities, without feeling scared that I'm going to be judged for by those insecurities. So I, th- I think that that is one of the things that I do, and, and it's as a supervisor, I've been there. So I always remind her and. Also, my, my male students, because they also face other difficulties, that I've been there. And by being, by having been there, they will solve it differently than I did. But what I can guide them through is through how you might go about it. So I, I, I've done that. But the advice that I, uh, in general, try to give both to the male and to the women, because this is something that is going to be all solved by everyone, not only by one, is that Whenever you are in in these groups, when you see someone who is the minority, immediately pay attention. Pay attention. If you see there is only one woman and three three men, this woman will be the the minority. Sometimes it could happen the opposite. It could be three men and one woman. So it, it happens the same. So whenever someone is the minority, pay attention. Be sensitive to this person and put yourself in those shoes because... Being the minority, you will be exposed to situations that will undermine your progress. So, this is what I would advise and what I have said before, too.
2: Thank you, Professor Alexandra Olaya. Hold
3: up. So, continuing
2: on the subject of women in science, and coincidentally with physics, astrophysicist Mirjana Povich was awarded the inaugural Inspiring Science Award from Nature Research in partnership with the Estee Lauder companies earlier this month. In 2016, Povich got the chance to follow her dreams and work in Africa. She moved to Ethiopia and then helped establish the Ethiopian Space Science and Technology Institute. It's the first centre of its kind in Ethiopia, and also in the whole of the East Africa region. Since then, she's become head of the astronomy and astrophysics department. But as well as working to establish the centre, Povich has worked extremely hard to help promote science, technology, engineering, and maths career path to secondary school children, particularly the young women across the country and the region. And it's her hard work in this particular project that earned her the award. I had a chat with Mirjana about why she thinks these young girls need some more visible female role models in these subjects. Congratulations on being awarded uh, the Nature Research Award for Inspiring Science.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, It was uh, totally unexpected from my side, of course. But I mean, I always say that everything that I managed to do until now, it is related with so many people and the entire society that in one way or another, I interacted and that uh, permitted at the end that so many things can be done.
2: And what is it about working in Africa that you find so exciting?
1: I am uh, very much attracted in learning about Africa, knowing Africa understanding much better uh, how Africa is and then on the other side uh, also I really would like to participate with my work uh, there where the needs are the highest and uh, I think that uh, with uh, participating in development of education and science we can really contribute on the longer term to fight against the poverty. Living, working in Africa and learning about Africa is like a book without end, uh, something that you can never really finish and in that aspect it's a very similar to astronomy, no? and like our exploration of the universe, it's also something that we still have so many open questions that probably during my life many of them will stay uh, without really answering.
2: So let's talk a little bit about the Ethiopian Space Science and Technology Institute. You've been involved with that from the very beginning. So, tell me a little bit about the Institute and how it's been seeing it grow and flourish into something that it is today.
1: It's really challenging in many aspects, uh, mainly because of the amount of uh, work that we have.
2: What kind of impact has the Space Science and Technology Institute in Ethiopia had on the students that you have?
1: One of the things that I find uh, especially important is the institute has uh, the graduate program, so all our students are either a master or a PhD, but almost all of them are already lecturers at some of the public universities. So it really means that if we increase the level of education of these people, although there are only a few of them, we really contribute to the improvement of the education on the longer term. No?
2: One of the other projects that you have is you are working to build a network of African women in astronomy and space science. Can you tell us a little bit about that and why you got involved with that?
1: This network put together both more junior and senior ladies and that we have like a safe space where we can discuss different uh, issue uh, get uh, advices then also inter- exchange like uh, create an email list so that we, we are connected and we can exchange uh, all information that is relevant strength more the support of the senior researchers toward the younger ones that are just uh, starting trying also to follow how many of those uh, ladies that finish their master continue with the PhD those that continue that finish their PhD uh, stay in the, in the field. Now with, uh, with the award, I really got motivated to like, take uh, the first steps and the real actions uh, in order to make this kind of network uh, something that, that is uh, real.
2: Tell me a little bit about some of the challenges that women face in your field of space and astronomy research in Africa.
1: I wouldn't separate totally between Africa and the rest of the world. So I think that for women in science in general, independently, if it's Africa or whatever, there are still many more challenges than in the case of male population. Then when we come to the African reality, it has a factor of multiplication because there is huge lack of reference, uh, like there is a huge lack of women in science and technology, so therefore, For young girls, it's much more difficult to really be inspired, to be empowered for doing a science. There is a lack of support from the family, especially when we are talking about science, engineering, technology, mathematics. There is still quite a lot of opinion that this is not for girls, it's not for women. So, in that aspect, uh, still there is really a lot to do then the pressure from the society uh, on being a mother. Being a mother in Africa is fundamental. It's a very important part of the society and life everywhere. But uh, family uh, is very, very important in Africa. It is very much related with religion as well. Here I can see with my colleagues from the Society of Ethiopian Women in Science and Technology, it is extremely challenging for them. Many of them are doing their master, their PhD, in the same time they have several children already. And then even if they get to the position of professors, lecturers at the university, to upgrade their level, it's extremely, extremely difficult. They have to have publications, they have to have so many merits, and at the end, it's exhausting, they cannot, it's very challenging.
2: Do they not have any childcare support?
1: Yes, they can have childcare support, like those that are already uni- at university and they can afford. The others, they don't really have support. And even if they have support, still when they get home, they still will have more things to do than the male population.
2: One of the things that you have been awarded the Inspiring Science Award for is your work with the local school children. And what is it that you do with the local school children?
1: Yes, so the idea is it's uh, in collaboration with the Society of Ethiopian Women in Science and Technology. The work is with the secondary school girls, in particular grade 9 and 10 here in Ethiopia, which is just before they choose uh, the preparatory school. And the preparatory school is already somehow related with the specific fields. So the project is that we want to access as many girls as possible at this uh, secondary school level, especially in remote and rural areas. And every month, the ladies, so through the Society of Ethiopian Women in Science and Technology, uh, would come from different uh, fields of science. And then the main idea behind is, on one side, to bring closer different fields of science to the girls, so the lady will give one part of the talk that is more like the outreach talk, just uh, related with her field of research. And then the other part of the talk is a life story. So how that lady became a scientist, how is the life of a scientist, how is being a scientist and being a woman, how is being a scientist and being a mother, uh, what are the challenges, what are the positive things that the science is giving, and so on. Uh, And then in the same time, uh, it's also... Uh, important to do like a small research so that we use the opportunity that we have the access to so many girls and to study different factors that are related so we pass the questionnaire to the girls uh, where they have to uh, reply if they are planning to go to the university or not if yes, why yes, if not, why not um, so that at the end uh, like uh, we put um, the objective of about one year in order to see what kind of statistics we will get in order to evaluate uh, some of the main factors uh, responsible for the lack of girls and then women uh, in science and technology fields and to come up with the suggestions and uh, uh, better ideas for, for the future planning.
2: So what kind of results have you seen already from surveys like this one that you've described?
1: In Uganda, one of my colleagues uh, they did uh, the small study uh, with the secondary school girls, but it was just like on the discussion level, no. And the secondary school girls uh, raised two main factors why they don't choose the science and technology subjects. The first one was the lack of uh, support from their families, and the second one was uh, related with the textbooks. They raised that. Always in the textbooks, since they started with uh, school, there was a lot like everything related with science uh, was uh, uh, related with, uh, with men, with the uh, male population. So it was, they are not used to really even think about doing something related with science because they never saw women really in their textbooks or, as I said, as uh, teachers and educators.
2: Thank you and congratulations again to Mariana Povich. So you can find out more about the winners at nature.com forward slash careers. And if you want to find out more about the awards or perhaps even enter next year, you can go to the awards website. But that's it for this episode. You can follow the Nature Careers Adventures on our website at nature.com forward slash careers on Facebook and on Twitter. Thanks for listening. I'm Julie Gould.